0: So one of our most recent episodes here on the Squared Circle Psychobabble, we were talking about Jim Cornette and Eric Bischoff and who would be a better consultant for AEW. Well, maybe Eric Bischoff listened to it. No, I'm kidding. But he did offer some consultation, if you will, to AEW on a recent episode of Mac Mania. And we're going to talk about that next on the Squared Circle Psycho babble My name is Michael Valenti. Joining me is Ralph Valenti. Ralph, some interesting quotes have come out of this podcast and have circled around the IWC on Twitter, Reddit, Facebook, wherever you want to look. And I've got people talking about it. The first one here, he does say that AEW has been quite impressive the three years they've been in existence. And he says, it's not relatively new. It's extremely, it's a newborn baby in terms of its lifespan. If you compare it to a human, he's made tremendous progress. He being Tony Khan in a very short period of time. And I don't know how anybody can look at that trajectory and not recognize that as pretty damn cool and be impressed with it. A lot of people are saying that, you know, Eric Bischoff is pretty critical of AEW, might be one of those that doesn't know what he's talking about and stuck in the past kind of thing. But then he goes on to praise AEW and I'm sure it's not the first time he's done it. We've seen him on AEW programming before, so he probably has a good relationship with Tony Khan himself. But I mean, it is quite impressive what he has done. In the three years that AEW yeah. has existed.
1: Well, for starters, as usual, the reason that this interview really got so much attention is because not it wasn't the full context of the interview that was leaked out and tweeted and, and spread all around. It was really right. one specific quote, which I'm sure we're going to talk about, talking about booking for dirt sheet writers. So you know, maybe that was said specifically and that seemed like a narrative that a lot of people could run with. It was shareable content, which Eric Bischoff has talked about in the past Mm -hmm. content that could be shared and spread around and, and, you know, easily passed along for clicks and views and all that type of stuff. So naturally people gravitate that because again, to coin Eric Bischoff's own past comments, controversy creates cash. And here we have some controversy that the IWC will love to more or less revelant. Now, as far as these comments with AW, he's 100% right. And when you look at just the history of pro wrestling, and especially by comparison to like what WWE is and how long they've been successful and the King of the Mountain, we haven't really seen a company that has challenged WWE to take a good look in the mirror probably since WCW. TNA wasn't really a major threat to the WWE at any point. Yes, they had some talent. Yes, WWE went out and got their talent at some point, or they went back and forth. But we've never really seen a company pressure WWE in certain circumstances. Now, what right. I mean by this is, look at just the way that WWE has been forced to kind of offer some contract extensions, been able to pay uh, some talent more money, been able to kind of go to certain talent and say, look, we'll give you certain creative freedom or certain ins- allow you certain insight in your character and stuff like that. Just to even go to show you how much success that AEW has had, look at the treatment of Cody Rhodes. You don't have to look any further than that. I mean, when's the last time you've seen anybody other than maybe like AJ Styles come from a rival promotion and just kind of be inserted right into maybe not the main event level picture, but he's certainly been a top contender since he's gone there. He went to WrestleMania, had probably the best match or one of the best matches of WrestleMania weekend and was involved in one of the major storylines and treated to be a star. That doesn't happen by accident, and they don't try to do that with anybody unless you're like somebody that came up from their developmental system or somebody that they have complete faith in. Like It's very rare where they bring somebody over unless they know that you're going to be successful or you had some success at a high level in another promotion. So to say that AEW has done some really good things in the past three years, he's 100% right. They absolutely have, and they've covered a lot of ground in that short period of time. There's a lot of AEW fans
0: that will point out all the praise that they have. And we have done that as well. We have praised AEW for the things they should be praised for. There are times where they have delivered on certain things where, you know, they got Adam Cole and Daniel Bryan for that way they closed out all out. Probably one of the best endings to a pay-per-view in a long time. Their pay-per-views consistently are very, very good. Almost every match is good from beginning to end. Very few are, you know, skippable matches. The... Four champions that we've had in AEW I think for the most part have been booked pretty well with maybe the exception of Hangman but for all we know it's still in its infancy so give it a little bit more time before we basically say it's a it's done like it's not a good title reign I think they've done a good job building some bright young future stars in the likes of MJF and Darby Allen and jungle boy so they're building not just the present but the future to a point where even a guy like you said cody rhodes who was basically the face of aew you know some people might disagree with me on that but he was the face of aew leaves to go to wwe aew could still go forward without missing him really because you still have moxley you still have danielson you still have jericho you still have
1: mjf cm punk yeah. Look at the opening of Raw last night. I mean, you had Randy Orton's 20 year celebration where he cut out, came out, cut a promo, mm-hmm. had the fans acknowledge him. And what was almost like actually seeing Randy Orton outside of like being in character, in Viper, in, uh, you know, wh- whatever type of character he's trying to portray when he's on TV. And who was involved in that? Cody Rhodes. Right. If Cody Rhodes doesn't leave WWE and continues to stay there as Stardust or goes to another smaller promotion and doesn't go to AEW and have the type of success that he had at the level of, at, that he was able to find that success at, he's not one of the guys that comes out and embraces Randy Orton during the opening of a huge segment for Raw. That only happened in my opinion and my estimation because AEW was able to have so much success in a short amount of time and been able to portray certain guys as legitimate stars in the wrestling industry.
0: Yeah, totally agree. Now, we are going back and forth about WWE, AEW. And, and Eric Bischoff actually made a very interesting point in this interview on Mac Mania that I think a lot of people, I think, will strongly disagree with. And I want to get your take on this. AEW, as a company, as a whole, is going to have to define at some point the vision. What makes AEW different than WWE? You talk about it. You kind of create a narrative about it. But when you look at the show, when you look at AEW, and when you look at WWE, if you're not in the weeds and in the dirt sheets, living on the internet, spending half a day on Reddit, how would you describe the difference between the two shows? I think that's really hard to do right now. This one here, I think a lot of Mm. people will be like, there's obvious differences. And Eric Bischoff is totally wrong on this. But- But we have said in the past, there's a lot more similarities than people want to admit.
1: But do we only notice those differences because we're wrestling fans, because we're watching on such a consistent basis, because we know WWE products so well and we now know AEW products so well that we can point to any of those companies and say, this is what WWE is. This is what they find important. This is how they push stars. This is what AEW is, and this is how they're different. We may only notice that and know those differences because we are so kind of indulged in the product. If I sit down our father, who is a former wrestler, well, I would say he still watches pro wrestling from time to time if we entice him to go and do so, or if he sees it out. He's a quote-unquote casual fan. Casual. And, and th- to that point, the casual fan that everybody likes to pretend there is no casual fan. Absolutely, there's a casual fan. Who do you think was watching Bra and SmackDown heading into WrestleMania? Where do they go? They just magically stopped watching? No, they're a casual fan who, come, who comes around when it's important. The same could be right. said for AEW. If you attract them, if there's a big show, they'll pay attention. Now, to a fan that's a casual, or to somebody that's never watched pro wrestling, or to somebody that will give it a chance, if they watch SmackDown, or if they watch Raw, and they watch AEW, are they going to be able to pick up on any of those differences? Or are they just going to say... This is just pro wrestling. Will they be able to pick up on, okay, AEW's edgier? Will they get it? Will they allow themselves to get past segment one to even see the edgier content? I, I don't know. I'm just saying I know the differences because I watch it all the time. If I've never watched it, do I know the difference or do I just point to it and say, this is pro wrestling?
0: I get what he was trying to say. And if you actually listen to the podcast, he kind of further alongs and kind of backs up what he says. In a way where he actually differentiates the two, and one of that being production value. WWE is definitely high on production value, and even Eric Bischoff criticized WWE in this interview, saying that they overproduce. Yeah, You know, we all see it, the thousands of cuts, everything's got to be perfect. If one thing messes up, you know, it's the end of the world. Kevin Dunn will eat your ear off. You know, you have AEW, which their production value has gotten better, but it's definitely not to the level of WWE. Maybe some of their, their prepackaged stuff is pretty mm. good and mm-hmm. top notch. But yeah. when you're actually looking at the in-ring stuff, there are times where the camera misses stuff. There's times where the audio is a little bit off and not mixed the same as WWE where it's top notch kind of thing. That is a difference that I think even a casual fan or a first time watcher might be able to separate the two. I think the other thing might be AEW has more wrestling from bell to bell than WWE. There's a lot more talking. Maybe that's just us as wrestling fans pointing that out. But I do think a non-wrestling fan or a, Casual fan, just checking for the first time, might mention, hey, there's a lot more wrestling involved.
1: I 100% agree. As a wrestling fan, I can tell you that if I watch Dynamite, I know that I'm in store for probably anywhere from four to five matches that are going to probably range between seven to 15, 20 minutes, depending on the match and what's on the line. Mm -hmm. If I watch Raw, maybe the longest match I'm going to see is the tag match last night probably went like 12 minutes. Most of the matches will go like five, less than five, maybe six or seven minutes. My point is this, if you're somebody who's just giving the shows a chance, who's just tuning in, are you even watching long enough to be able to tell the difference? If you're not tuning in from the start of Dynamite to the end of Dynamite, what difference does it matter if the match goes 20 minutes or it goes 10 minutes or five minutes? Mm -hmm. At face value, if you're just tuning in, if you are not entrenched in, 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 and. uh, you know, invested in the product week in, week out, you may not know the differences. I know the differences because I paid attention. I was there from the start where Tony Khan says, this is what we're going to do different. They build it as a sports league or whatever, however they defined it when that first press release came out. This is how we're going to be different. There's going to be ranking. There's going to be drama, yada, 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 so on and so forth. If you're just a novice, are you watching the opening segment of Dynamite? Are you watching the CM Punk match and you're like, all right, Saw Punk, I'm done. It'd be the same if you're tuning in to watch Raw if CM Punk went back there and had a match. You know, it's like kind of consistent, what you see with some of the viewership sometimes because you'll see like at the beginning where Punk is the opening match, it's really high up there and then it's kind of like a little bit of a roller coaster. So you really got to do something to distinguish what your audience is and separate yourself from the pack. This is why we're different than the WWE. So I want to bring up the next quote here because it talks about the
0: audience. And he Mm -hmm. says... On a personal level, I think Tony has got his head plugged into the dirt sheet wrestling community far too much. When you produce a show, especially like wrestling, you need to know who your audience is. And you need to know who you want to be your audience. You have to grow your business. You can't just keep serving the same hardcore dirt sheet wrestling fan psychology and mentality and expect it to grow your business. This is an interesting take because he says... They have to know their audience, but then explains AEW's audience.
1: And I think his point is he doesn't think they should be catering to that hardcore audience.
0: I'll let you finish your point, but yeah. I, I do have a counter for this.
1: Sure. And, and I, I, I'm not saying I agree 100% with it. I do think that maybe Tony Khan, if there's one thing that I think people can be critical of him for, it's for maybe paying it to, like him going out of his way to retweet viewership numbers and how they, that time when they supposedly outdrew smackdown for like 20 minutes or a half hour right. whatever that weird over and he's going in on this uh, victory march over something that's so minuscule that probably nobody even remembers happening happened unless oh you they
0: remember they're I, gonna remember yeah, they'll tell you in the comment pe- section yeah. they
1: remember there's still people that are under the impression that the bunny outdraws the tribal chief but the bunny has <laughs> been nowhere to be seen she's she lo- she's lost in Alice in the, in the the hole where the, the freaking bunny from Alice in Wonderland magically scurried off to as well. Something like or she that. She ran off know? with so, the bunny that was with Adam Rose. <laughs> wh- whatever. I mean, but but literally that there's people out there who believe this stuff. You know, that's where it's kind of like, all right, Tony Khan, like you're the CEO, you're the president. You should be above this. You don't owe an explanation to certain people. You don't shouldn't go out of your way to retweet some of this stuff.
0: One thing I will say, though, I do appreciate Tony Khan's transparency He does a little bit overboard by going to, you know, responding to people that have like a hundred followers, but you know, he's doing all these interviews with podcasts and he's doing these interviews with top radio stations, including the number one radio station in the number one market in the country, WFAN in New York. You know, Mm -hmm. he's done that a couple of times when they come to New York or have big pay-per-views or not just him, other AEW wrestlers that I appreciate. This whole catering to dirt sheets and catering to, Hardcore fans. That is their audience. For me, that does a lot of research about like YouTube growth and YouTube channel growth or whatever, trying to get more views to this channel and this podcast, whatever. A lot of the gurus always talk about going down on your niche and understanding who is your audience and building this quote unquote avatar per se. I think you have a better idea of describing AEW's avatar or target audience than you would with WWE. Now, granted, WWE has a much larger audience, but it's also because it's diversified. They have kids watching. They have women watching. They have older people watching. They have the hardcore fan watching. They, they touch on every different demographic, different races, different genders, different ages, where AEW, you pretty much can say their audience is men 18 to 49 who will watch wrestling from anywhere in the world that appreciate more in-ring action than it, than the promos, than the production value. than you know, they want to watch a wrestling show, not a TV show with wrestling in it. And even to Bischoff's admission in three years, they have grown. And for those that want to question the growth, just look at a tweet from earlier last week. I think it was where Brandon Thurston broke down the numbers of their ratings year to year, quarter to quarter. and, pay-per-view
1: buys. There is growth in AEW. And what you're describing is something called the law of diffusion of innovation. It's essentially the bell curve, meaning you go up and you come back down. Now, at what point is AEW at right now on that bell curve? I don't know. And that's I think that's probably more of what Eric Bischoff is trying to describe here. How big is that hardcore audience? How big is it? And not only how big is it, how welcoming is it? How welcoming is that audience where, look, a lot of the hardcore AEW fans don't like people to be critical of the programming, hardly any of it. They want you to be accepting of a lot of it, and they don't like when outsiders try to infiltrate the group, so to speak. You know, they, they, that's that's the thing. How big can that be? Is it, can they sell out a 40,000, 50,000 50, people stadium? I I don't know. What are they going to do to get to to grow that audience beyond like where they currently are? Because you talked about it. they've they've grown and they certainly have. And there's numbers to back it up and all that type of stuff. But what's the cap on it? Because at some point when you go back down the other side of that bell curve, how low does it go? Does it does, it, you know, because. At some point, the, the new car scent is going to wear off with AEW, and they're going to want new stars, and they're going to want new storylines, and you're not going to be able to rely on, oh, well, this guy that's a major star got released, and I can sign him and bring him in, and it's like, okay, let's another shot of adrenaline, now we're back up the curve. It's like, okay, we, at some point, are you going to develop some of these younger guys Is the MJF? Do you have the next big thing in pro wrestling signed under contract? I don't know. WWE caters, as you pointed out, to a very diverse audience. And a lot of times people will say, oh, why are they doing that segment? This is boring. It's stupid. It's not pro wrestling. It's sports entertainment. You don't think Vince McMahon doesn't know that. Of course he knows that. And he does that because he knows that when he sells a ticket to a kid, it's not just the kid that's going. It's the parent. It's the mom. It's whoever else wants to go. My daughter never watches pro wrestling. The only time she ever comes in the room is when Bianca Belair is on TV. So she said to me, when they come, can you bring me to wrestling? Well, guess what's going to happen? I haven't gone to a Raw or SmackDown in forever. I've gone to WrestleManias. I've gone to pay-per-views. I've gone to NXT. When they come around, guess who's going to go? My daughter's probably going to go. I'm going to go. And my wife is probably going to go. And that's where WWE gets you. Do you have that same type of diverse audience with AEW? I don't know. Can they get there? Absolutely. But I don't think they're going to get there with uh, Blackpool Combat Club and you know John Moxley biting guys' heads open until blood spurts out. I love it. Don't get me wrong, but is it a wholesome content, let me bring my kid to a show? Yes. Are there families out there? Yes, there are. But I don't know if that's the type of growth that Eric Bischoff is referring to beyond the hardcore wrestling fan base.
0: Right. Well, I will counter with this, and I think this is where kind of fans kind of get blindsided by just the numbers that they see and just don't know what they're talking about, especially with ratings, especially if you don't work in television or (laughs) advertising or whatever, like me. You bring up a great example. Your daughter wants to see Bianca Belair, so when they come to Hartford May 9th, I'm sure you, your wife, and your daughter are going to go to Hartford on May 9th. You have the hardcore wrestling fan, predominantly male, predominantly 18 to 49. There are plenty of businesses out there that have grown targeting that specific audience and are been around for years and years and years. So when people say, oh, they just cater to the hardcore fan, they just do this, they do that. What is wrong with that? You could still grow your business that way. You have all these hardcore fans that are willing to buy t-shirts, that are willing to pay for pay-per-views, that are willing to do this and do that on a consistent day in and day out basis, that unless you really do something Really, really stupid.
1: They're not going away. They are in the entertainment business. They're in the business where people can be very selfish, meaning people want to get paid. If you're a big yes. star, you're an up and comer, who do you think is on the other side of that door when their contract's up offering a shit ton of money? And I know people are going to say, oh, it's not always about money. It's not about the. Yeah, I get it. But for some people, money talks at the end yes. of the day. If you can get the same deal with the, whatever else involved in it, with for more money. Some people may go to Papa Vince and say, you know what, you know, I loved AEW, but you know what, I'm going back over here. So if they do go back down that other side of that bell curve, if they now are plateauing when it comes to revenue and they're not selling quite as many pay-per-views and they're selling not quite as many t-shirts and they lose some of their top guys, because it's always a threat. I know people are so close-minded. Oh, well, this guy will never go back to WWE. Moxley, Jericho, Jericho's going back at some point, no doubt in my mind, 100%, because the Hall of Fame is waiting for him. FTR, you don't think that they, maybe not this time around, but at some point, they'll never go back. I don't know. My point is this. This is why in the entertainment business, growth is so important, because if revenue stalls or declines, and you can't sign some of those guys to bigger contracts, you lose some of them, that can be damaging to your product. That can be damaging to your fan base, because now you don't have guys like Daniel Bryan or Moxley or... The next big thing, whoever, it may, for all I know, it could be Orange Cassidy. It doesn't matter. They're so you're, so you're admitting it could be
0: Orange Cassidy?
1: I'm saying that Orange Cassidy is beloved by that fan base, correct? Yes, he is. So if they now, let's imagine two years from now, like I said, the new car scent has worn off. They're not making as much money. Some guys' contracts are up and they have to pay money to certain guys. You may not be able to pay all of them. So That's why it's so important to grow your audience, especially it's not like razor blades where you know guys who who shave okay we're committed to buying razor blades because sure as day unless you're talking about my hairline your face your facial hair is going to grow and you're going to have to edge that shit up i do want to bring up one last quote here talking about audience
0: growth or whatever he says you want to get up to that 1.5 and be really competitive with raw or smackdown guess what You're going to have to take a million, give or take viewers that you have every week and grow by 50%, 75%, 100% in order to be truly competitive. I don't see that happening because I think Tony Khan is dirt sheet booker of the year, two years in a row. So maybe a slight jab there. Maybe just him saying, you know, stop booking booking for dirt sheets and you'll actually get to that 50%, 75%, 100% growth. And maybe be comparable to WWE's ratings. But I think right now, if you, like I said, if they just want to focus on that male 18 to 49, you're never getting to WWE because they diversify their audience. And they know that. They're different business models.
1: WWE's a brand. We've talked about this so many times. I mean... They are, they are the Disney World. They are the McDonald's Golden Arches. They are that of the sports entertainment slash wrestling industry in, in the United States of America. And you have a long way to go before you're going to catch up to what they've been able to build. Because Vince McMahon was able to build a brand with a loyal fan base, so on and so forth. I don't... Th- Again, it's all kind of intertwined. You know, is he booking towards for dirt sheet writers or is he booking towards his hardcore fan base? It's probably... A little bit of both, but at the same time, the people who write the dirt sheets are and I'm using the term dirt sheet because that's the way he put it. It's I know it can kind of be viewed as a derogatory term to those journalists. So for those wrestling journalists, you know, most of them love what they see in AEW. So indirectly, of course, it's gonna be something that they're gonna be interested in. You don't think Dave Meltzer is gonna love Suzuki versus Samoa Joe? Is that something that would close? the night of uh, main event WrestleMania? No, of course not. But is it what some hardcore wrestling fans would consider a dream match? Yes, it is. Do I consider that a dream match? It's not on my bucket list of matches I'd love to see. I'll watch it. But it's that, that's kind of like low-hanging fruit. Easy to criticize. You know, Of course, he, it's all kind of intertwined in my mind. Well, I, I get kind of what he's saying
0: with the whole dirt sheet writing thing. Like, is he just booking matches so that Dave Melcher gives all those matches five stars, which, you know, you could say Melcher's bias all you want. I, I think there's a little bit of bias in his star rating system where he's a little overcritical with WWE and other, you know, promotions, maybe a little too loose in what stars he gives, but you can't control other people's opinions and you can't just be like oh i'm i'm only going to book for dave meltzer because if dave meltzer praises me then everyone's going to watch AEW because of that how many wrestling fans actually read the wrestling observer newsletter or listen to dave meltzer or follow him on twitter like yes i know a lot of hardcore fans do but how many like people that watch raw or smackdown or dynamite do you know only do what they think as a fan because Dave Meltzer told him to. Kenny Ma- Kenny Omega is the best wrestler in the world because Dave Meltzer told you he's the best wrestler in the world. Roman Reigns is the best wrestler in the world because Dave Meltzer told you he's the best wrestler in the world. I think some people think that way. but I think most people don't. They just watch what they watch and like what they like. Although sometimes they use Dave Meltzer as part of their argument, which I think is bullshit. Yeah. And shouldn't yeah. be doing that. But that's how I feel on that situation. Should Tony Khan brag about being Booker of the Year on Meltzer's newsletter? Yes and no. Like It's great to win an award, but when most of those fans are very anti-WWE and New Japan hasn't really done much in the last couple of years, he's, while he has been a good Booker, he won those awards by default, in my opinion.
1: I don't think Vince or anybody involved in WWE would even care about that award, to be quite Vince honest. Vince definitely you know? doesn't. And and honestly, with any of these, whether it's the star ratings, whether it's the awards, whether it's an article or a quote, unfortunately, people go out of their way to find this stuff to try and justify their own internal bias. And I think that's what people need to get away from. I think that's mm-hmm. why there's so much tribalism in pro wrestling. I think that's why some people can't look in the mirror and admit sometimes that, you know, hey, I saw this on AEW. It was actually good. I saw this on SmackDown. You know what? Roman Reigns, I know he gets a lot of criticism, but... He's actually doing a really good job for all the shit that people say about Kenny Omega. He's actually a great wrestler, despite me not being great on the mic. All those things can be true. You may believe it. Someone else may disagree with you, but there's no reason to get so like tribalistic about it. And I think for this specific quote right here, I just think it's the fact is Tony Khan's producing a show for diehard wrestling fans right now because that's his primary target audience. And Mm. Dave Meltzer just happens to like that specific type of pro wrestling that he's presenting right now. Is he doing it intentionally to please Dave Meltzer? No, but he's also like-minded with the primary uh, target audience that Eric Bischoff's referring to, I think.
0: Right. Like I talked about that avatar earlier, Dave Meltzer might be that avatar. That doesn't necessarily mean it's a bad thing. And I think when people start comparing numbers of WWE and AEW from a ratings perspective, And without knowing the full context of it or not being in the business, that's when you start getting in trouble because it's like, well, it's the viewership. No, it's the demo and yada, 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 and this and that. And, you know, you just end up regurgitating what you see on social media anyway. But I thought this was a very good interview that was done on Mac mania. If you have not listened to it. Uh, we'll put a link in the description so you can check that out for full context. But let us know your comments on what we think of the interview. And also, if you listened to the interview already, let us know what you thought of it in the comments below. Don't forget to share us all over social media. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at SCPV Podcast. Subscribe, and we'll see you on the next episode of the Squared Circle Babel.